What so, are you eating? Uh, a breakfast burrito. It's called the Hot Mess. <sighs> that sounds... I know it's not vegan, but the idea of a breakfast burrito sounds really good right now. Everything except the sausages is vegan. Like I said, it's cheese in it, too. Yeah. You could veganize all these things. But I get no potato because... I don't like potato and breakfast burritos. Which is like cheap. Is it like a is it like a thing they do like home fries in the potato? I haven't been anywhere that's really done that. Usually it's like chunks of potato. Home fries would be good though, because then you're it's more like the fried part and less the potato part. Hate home fries. Really? You hate home fries. Yeah. I never liked them so growing gross. up and I still don't like them, but I I would try them again. I yeah. like them when they're crispy. But like, I think they're supposed to be. Some places they're just soft. Some places just give you like mushy, overcooked potatoes. Yeah, that's like the thing they serve with cream chip beef. Mm. <clears throat> There's this place in Westchester called Jaco Taco. They used to be called Baco Taco, and then they said so they tried to expand, and they ran into some trademark issue with with Baco Taco. Um, I think, from what I could research online, that. Jack in the Box has a, in like uh, California has a Baco Taco. So maybe that's, maybe that's what they ran into. So now it's Jaco Taco, but it's a, it's a taco and juice bar. Kind of like a Nemo is like burritos and juice. This place is tacos and juice, but they have breakfast burritos. I'm so hungry. You know, I was so bummed because there was a Groupon for Bear Burger, but all the dine-in ones were sold out. It was all takeout. Dine-in so, were yeah, sold like, out? like. Yeah, like a Groupon for like $14 oh, or $20. Oh, even like they were, right, I understand now, okay. Yeah, it's a bummer. I've never been so, a yes. fan of like takeout hamburgers, because then it's like, the burger's not great right. as it is in person, well, and then the fries are always mushy. Exactly. It's totally, I think of it as an eat-in thing. I don't know. That's why like fast food places are specifically creepily engineered. So, like, yeah. You didn't tell us you've been uh, the past six months. Yeah, I've been writing Lou the past six months. <laughs> um, I went to Sean Cribb's talk. Yeah. Oh, how'd you like it? Uh, I didn't pay attention, but it seemed cool. <laughs> I was... <clears throat> yeah, Philly E.T. was this week, and uh, at some point last week, I, I have this bash utility. I use T-Mux. Let's back up. Way back up. Uh, <laughs> I use T-Mux, and I have uh, this thing called T-Mux Status Bar, which is a bash script that runs, and it does... A couple uh, Mac utilities, one gets my battery status. So, like, is it charging or discharging or charged? Does it have a time remaining estimate? And then it makes a little pretty icon in Tmux that has a battery with the time remaining. And if the time is under an hour, it has a red exclamation point next to it. So I have that. And then also it uses uh, something called reachability, uh, which the operating system will just tell you if it can reach something on the Internet without actually trying to do it. So essentially is like, do I have an internet connection? Uh, so I, I put those two things in my status bar when I have Tmux full screen. So I don't need to actually ever look at my Mac status bar to like know those things. Like, do I have internet connection? How's my battery doing? Uh, some point in the past like week, Apple updated OS X and changed the format of the battery utility so it doesn't work anymore. So then I was wondering, like, could well, I rewrite this? Well, like, in... the Tmux part doesn't work anymore, right? It didn't break, like, the OS battery No, no, it, the OS utility that I was using to, like, shell out to and grep, the format changed, so my, my grep pattern no longer works. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know how it, I don't even really understand how it broke. I think they changed from, like, tabs of spaces or vice versa or something, but some, something weird happened. 
Um, but then I was thinking, like, could I rewrite this in, like, Go? And the only way to get these APIs that I, that I can see is to, like, use the Apple header, like, dynamic library, whatever they're called. So then I was wondering if I could write it in Swift, and I was talking to somebody at Philly ETE, uh, Ben DeFrancesco, hope I pronounced that correctly. He's a iOS consultant in Philly, and he was uh, giving me confidence to try writing it in Swift. So then I spent most of the conference writing a command line utility in Swift. Uh, and I have, if you look for the Tmux status bar project on my GitHub, I have a branch called Swift. It has no tests because I couldn't figure out how to write uh, tests in Swift and not use Xcode. Uh, I still want to do that in the future. Right, right now, I'm just kind of like... Wait, hacking. you're writing Swift outside of Xcode? Yeah, it's just a, a Swift file, a header file. I run the Swift command with an include Objective-C header to get the bridge file included. And then, uh, and then yeah, it's just a main function, and then I call main at the end of the script. <laughs> I, I feel like this is news that I missed. I know that there was... I remember reading about some talk of taking Swift outside of... Um, even some talk of even bringing Swift as a, a language appropriate for Android, but I didn't oh, know that you could run it without Xcode. Yeah, there's there's two utilities on your Mac. I, I assume you need like Xcode installed. I believe I do to to have them. But there's can like... we can we drop some links to those in the show notes? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, there's Swift and then Swift C. Swift C compiles a binary. Swift just runs it like as a script. Um, I haven't figured out. I'm like... definitely in, I'm into Swift, so that's really cool. <laughs> I mean, actually, I'm okay with Xcode. Like, it's like, I don't know. Especially the Playgrounds environment is nice. There's some nice things about having an IDE to yell at you, especially in a statically typed language. Yeah, I just, I, uh, I wish Vim uh, yelled at me more for, for errors. I've just been running the command and looking at the terminal output, which is colored, which is nice. That makes it a little easier to, to crop. Um, but yeah, long story long, uh, I didn't pay attention to the conference because I was working on that. Um, but I did go to a talk about using Nginx and Lua to route traffic, which seemed kind of crazy and cool. But he said, uh, that was by Sean Cribs. He said that, uh, Lua is pretty similar to JavaScript. Ah! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've tried. I have a blog post about that, actually. I'll oh, really? drop that in the show notes for shameless, uh, shameless promotion purposes. Oh, cool. Is it similar to the Elixir looks like Ruby argument? Yeah, yeah, it really is that. That's probably without knowing enough Elixir to really compare it to Ruby, except that like blah 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 channels. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's like that, except no channels. Lua is actually a lot simpler. There is no standard library in Lua, for example. There's actually a ton of packages in Lua that are tagged standard library because there is no standard library. Is there a standard library in JavaScript? Yes. Is it? Does it vary? I mean, does it vary between Node and not, like browsers? Um, maybe because of, I guess if it varied, it wouldn't be very standard, would it? Schedule. Hey yo. Okay. Well, I guess so. Maybe it's not a standard library because yeah, that's like that's the thing. It's like yeah, you wouldn't call it a standard library, but a lot of things in JavaScript are things that um like that are part of the language specification that would be part of a standard library, mm. like like things like you know map, <laughs> like. Stuff like that, like being able to map on an array and so things like, like underscore that. Underscore is the JavaScript standard library. Yeah, except that that's all native now oh. in most environments. Um, there's a there's one like there's one of these big fat compatibility tables that uh, you can look at. The most popular one is uh, Kangax. If you're looking at uh, for ES 2015, ES 2016 stuff, 
the Kangax compatibility table is what you want to look at. And a lot of it is green. Like a lot of things are implemented. Hmm. And as I say that, I load it and see a ton of red stuff. But like for <laughs> for like Safari, <laughs> like uh, who uses that? Lots of people. Lots of people use that. Don't don't quote me on that. I use Safari. <sighs> but you don't use like old Safari. I use Chrome Incognito to do development locally, and besides that, I use Safari for everything. I also use Chrome when I need to watch uh, like Twitch TV is a thing where you can watch video games and other people live streaming uh that mm-hmm. works a lot better in chrome and hangouts i use uh chrome for hangouts but everything else i use oh, it's so funny i actually often use firefox for hangouts because i <laughs> i installed all my like privacy stuff on chrome uh so it blocks a lot of like content requests and stuff for tracking purposes oh. uh there's a bunch of these plugins like privacy badger is a popular one i'm using disconnect nowadays I went to go look up uh, our mortgage information for taxes uh, this week, and the website I <clears throat> was taken to, it said, there was a header, it said, you deserve the best, and right now you're not getting it. Our site has been optimized for Internet Explorer 9 and above and Firefox. Wow. So, okay. So I was using Chrome and Safari, and neither one of those is it's not the best, apparently. <laughs> I've heard Firefox is nicer than it, than it used to be. Oh, yeah. I Firefox mean, has a cool. sweet Vim plugin. They all have Vim plugins, or is it like part of Firefox? Uh, well, no, this one's not like the Vim key key bindings. It's like you're in a window, like it's an overlay over Firefox. I forget the name of it. I'll, I'll find it later. <laughs> is it like using the NeoVim not... pluggable editor thing, like where you can like put Vim in a text field? Mm, I don't know. No. I'll have to look into it, and I'll post a link to it. When NeoVim came out, that was like one of the big uh, features was. They wanted it to be embeddable into other programs. So, for instance, in a web browser, you could like click on the text field and have a full Vim in that text field. Seems kind of cool. That's cool. I'm I'm a big fan of using Vim plugins for navigation purposes. Um, so being able to navigate without a mouse. Um, unfortunately, in practice, a lot a lot of websites override these things. Uh, like they they override your keys, and so it it kind of it's not cool. It's called Vimperator. Looks and behaves like Vim text editor. Affiliate T was cool. I got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a while because I've been slumming it in the suburbs. <laughs> slumming it in a tech community kind of way. Well, I mean, that's also like it's spring and now you're going to see people. That's kind of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to get down, downtown at like once every like two months, I think. <laughs> that's my goal. You serious? That's how often you're gonna come into Philadelphia? Uh, it will be easier. That's uh, like how often we see Len, Justin. Uh, well, not anymore. Our, it used to be that way. Our daughter's grandparents are taking Italian lessons right now on Tuesdays, and Tuesdays is one of the only days that I can really come downtown. Uh, but they're not available to to watch our our child on Tuesdays. Um, so maybe after they're done Italian lessons, then I can come downtown on Tuesdays a little more often. That's really cute, though. <laughs> They're going to Italy uh, in July, I think. Nice. Yeah. Are you learning any languages? Programming languages? Or human languages? No, I, I took Spanish in high school, and that was about it. Oh, and then I, I learned uh, a little bit of Dutch in my mid-20s. I think we uh, I think I might be associated with somebody that is Dutch in the future, which would be cool to try out some of that stuff. 
Well, that was vague. I, it had to be because I don't know if it's actually a thing or not. <laughs> okay, cool. More on that. Oh, I know. Uh, Tune in in a couple weeks. You just spilled <laughs> um, the beans. Nah, um, not yet. We got news. But no, as part of like learning Swift, I bought that Big Nerd Ranch book on Swift, which is it seems like a really good book. Uh, if you don't know uh, a lot about programming languages, uh, for somebody that already knows like basics of like if statements and functions and returns and you know. Uh, it was also really easy just to kind of like notice where that stuff was and kind of flip through it until I saw something I didn't recognize. Like for instance, if statements I have down pretty pat, but uh, in Swift you can do something that's uh, you can do if let uh, and then the variable that you bind to the let constant gets uh, scoped to the if statement. And you also use that uh, Swift has optional types so that you can use that to if the optional type contains something, then the if statement runs, and then if it doesn't, the else or, or nothing runs. Uh, so there's like weird stuff like that that I have to learn, uh, but the book has also, like, if you're learning how to program from scratch, it, it also seems like a good book for that. I'm also continuing to play with Elixir. I like Phoenix. What do you like about it? Um, it's simple in a way that's kind of refreshing. Like, to write Rails, we have a lot of conventions that we've kind of build up and like if you once you learn rails it it you you know it like the way that views work and the way that like they automatically render the same page name and how routes work just rails makes a lot of assumptions and does like a lot of uh i don't know it's not magic it's not necessarily metaprogramming i guess it's metaprogramming but like you know if you put in your routes file resources uh posts right uh, it looks for a posts controller it makes all the resources and then in the controller each action automatically renders the uh, the view. It's just a lot of stuff happens automatically that you can't really see. Whereas in Phoenix, it's very explicit. Like in the routes, when you define uh, resources posts, you put the instead of passing a symbol, you put the path that it's going to route to, and then you pass the controller uh, name to. And then in, in in each view, you have to explicitly render what you want to render. There's no like. There's no, I'm going to magically go find something and then assume that you want to render it. Uh, so I guess it could be a little more verbose, but it just seems like really refreshing and simple. I really like uh, how database interaction works. In Rails, uh, active record, every record is an object, and then you call methods in that object to save it or create a new one and then save that or create one. Um, in Ecto, in, in Phoenix, Ecto is the uh, database library that Phoenix uses. You use something called chain sets. So you take, let's say, you take a, some params for a blog post, a post from a user. You take a new post that's empty. You take the params from the user, and then you create what's called a chain set. And then you call repo.insert that chain set, which kind of maps a little better to what SQL is actually doing, which is sending an insert statement with with a with a set of changes. And then all the validations happen on the chain set, and not on the model. There actually is no model. There's just like a destructive data you get back and then also the schema for each each uh, database table each, each like model is actually in the thing itself and not like off in db schema somewhere on its own so you can actually see what attributes uh, a post has from the post object and not from, from the post module and not from like some other file it's just like small things like that like it's just really refreshing to be like why why did we ever do it any differently <laughs> um and Rails is nice, and once you know the conventions, it's really fast to get working in. But I, I haven't felt slow in Phoenix once I once I learned something. It's just a very 
enjoyable language to use, and there's a lot going on around it right now. There are not Elixir talks, right? At Philly ET, I don't believe no. Um, None. No, I think there <clears throat> was there previous years. Well, I mean, I, I thought so. I don't know if ET. Well, I guess there was like Elm talks, but I don't know if like depends like uh, no, how I mean, how enterprisey is. They like... both start with E. <laughs> well, Elm seems like a similar like probably fringe, next year. Fringe language is getting a lot of traction. People really love. Um, but I mean, that was probably more you know. Uh, the organizers of Phil E.T. probably wanted Jessica Kara to speak, and she said, I want to speak about Elm, rather than them trying to find an Elm speaker, and then, you know. <laughs> That's true. What if Philly E.T.E. had a theme day where only languages that start with E are featured? <laughs> I heard uh, Steve Klabnik on uh, the Bike Shed, the Feltbot podcast, saying that he only writes languages that start with R-U. Yeah. Elm's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. The two things I took away from it is their enforcement of semantic versioning, and they built in a formatter, so similar to Go Fumped, a Go format. That's cool. So the language made uh, makes the decisions for you instead of you, you know, having to read the style guide and setting up your editor to do it. Maybe I didn't write like enough Haskell, but. I felt like Haskell already kind of did that, like the way the that syntax works, like the uh, the ML style of indented functions and type signatures and all that. Well, I don't know if Haskell does this, but one of the things that the speaker mentioned was the author of the language likes uh, like each line to do one thing, and then when you look at the change set and version control, it's easier to read and understand. I think this line changed, and this is a new thing. So things like that, it'll force you to put like one action on a line. Um, so it's easy not to do that in, in your language. You know? mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite talk? Um, I I missed pretty much all the keynotes for various reasons. Okay. Um, but some of those topics seemed really interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, nothing stands out to me. How about you? I really like the D-Trace talk. Um, I missed the second keynote because I was a little tired. Uh, the Nomad talk was good. Um, the Closure talk was good too. Um, transducers and sequences. Um, the one that I went to with you was good. Which one was that? Uh, the factory one. It's the Serenade talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought you would have paid attention in that one because <laughs> it talked about, uh, sort of, uh, how to approach certain problems that you're interested in. Yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, listening, but yeah, I, I was still obsessing about my Swift utility. I think the I've it's interesting because when I first started going to conferences, I would you know be excited to go to the talks and wouldn't want to miss one. But as time has gone on, and maybe this is because they record them, but you never know when the recording might fail or something, right? So if you really want to go see a speaker you should go um now the most exciting thing is like seeing people that you sort of see like at the same conference or other conferences and sort of picking their brains and just chatting with them maybe we should have more of that instead of just like elaborate conferences <laughs> let's hang out like a hack day yeah or just you know, meeting up more often or something just for a chill time 
Phil used Sounds to... like you want to bring back Coffee and Code. I, I really love that. I, I was thinking of uh, Philly RB had Ruby Lunches. Yeah, yeah, I was just at, I went to Kosi last week. So uh, Villanova won NCAA and they are located outside of Philadelphia. And so there was a parade. And so I went and had lunch at Kosi with some peeps. And uh, and by had lunch at Kosi, I mean I brought my own lunch and ate it at Kosi because I'm rude. Um, was it in Center City? Yeah, it was It was where we've had Ruby lunch. Okay. That Kosi on Market Street. Um and yeah, it's, I was, it's been so long since we had Ruby lunch. I mean, I don't do Ruby, nor do I want to, but it was fun. Yeah. Maybe we get the organizer for the RB to do that again. There should be many organizers. Agreed. Why don't you want to write Ruby, Pam? I, why don't I want to? Yeah. Um, I just don't like it. Right. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I mean, I, I've done some work in it, and it's just, I there's just so much going on in JavaScript land to focus on mm-hmm. that, like, you really don't have to do anything else. <laughs> so, maybe there's some of that, of, like, why would I focus on Ruby when JavaScript can do all the things? I guess you're not running away from it if someone were to say, hey, can you help me with this Ruby problem? I could. You're just not interested in writing it. Yeah, it's more of that. And then keeping you occupied. Yeah, and then I do think, I mean, there's also in terms of, like, you know, taking on projects and stuff of, like, being aware of what you're working on, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to work on JavaScript projects because that's what I want to continue to get better at. And if I took a Ruby project, then I would get better at Ruby, and then I would take more Ruby projects. I'm, I there's, like, this, there's this phrase, be careful what you're good at, uh, that I'm a pretty big believer of, uh, because I think that once you become... You know, once you think the the phrase comes from, you know, once you become good at something, you know, everyone goes telling everyone else like, oh, you know, you know, Jervon, he's a he's really good at PHP applications. And then you're going to get people calling you to want you to do PHP applications. And I'm just guessing no hate for PHP. It's like like a hugely popular web programming language that runs a shit ton of stuff in the world. But like if you don't want to be known for PHP, then don't do PHP work. If you don't want to be known for Ruby, then don't do Ruby work. Like, it's not rocket science. It's not that hard. Like, do the stuff you want to be known for. That's basically my strategy. Heads up, I am great at PHP. Oh, good to know. Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Your next next conference bio is going to be Jervon, comma, PHP expert. So what are your thoughts on the video games, Pam? (laughs) My thoughts on video when games. When are you going to start playing them so we can, we can talk if you about are, uh, Okay. I'm, I would play... I'll play board games, actually. If I, The problem is, is uh, you know, the location of where board game night is. If we're in the south of Philadelphia. <laughs> there are actually many board game meetups in Philly. Oh, I don't so, know about meetups. I just mean, like, meeting up with people I know. Or, uh, or people's friends. Like, mm, because you know how meetups have this problem where there's always, like, no matter what you do, there's always going to be, like, someone weird, like, in a bad mm-hmm. way. Like, not in a good way. There's weird in a good way and there's weird in a bad way. And, like, for technical topics, that's cool because, like, I'm learning professional stuff. We aren't, I'm, I'm not here to make friends. Like, I'm, I'm really, like, in a professional context. Like, going to meetups that are, you know, about programming is part of me doing my job. And... 
like going to things that are about like board games is more like things for fun. So I don't, I kind of stay away from meetups that aren't professional because of the weirdo factor. That was like a lot of personal sharing. But like, if you went to one and you were my buddy, then that would be cool. But, uh, but there's definitely a, a creep factor. Like anytime a group of people from the internet meet up and it's at, not professional. At a bar. Yeah, right? At a bar. <laughs> like, it's going to get creepy. Like, I, I might go to like, I think I'm going to start going to some language meetups though to practice French. But one, I have a buddy to go with. Um, and two, like, you're speaking French. So, like, <clears throat> in terms of finding opportunities to do that, that's probably one of the best chances. Je m'appelle Justin. Bien. <laughs> uh, je vais en France uh, cet octobre um, uh, parce que j'ai acheté un billet uh, pour uh, 500 dollars. So. I heard programmer dollar. <laughs> no. <laughs> 500, uh, 500 was what I was trying to go for. My accent is going to be really, really bad. Or any anyone, anyone who actually speaks French, um, but I actually just bought tickets to France for October. Cool. Because uh, I found there was a, a flight deal out of New out of New York for five hundred dollars for less than it was like four hundred dollars, and I paid more so I could actually check a bag. Huh. Um, but yeah, it's one of those airlines where it's like if you want to reserve your seat, <laughs> you have to pay extra. Uh, How long are you going for? A month. Cool. So I'm excited to go hang out with. European friends, uh, if you're a friend of Turing complete in the Europe, probably France and possibly London, um, France in multiple places, um, hit us up. So I have have listeners, right? In Europe? We do. We, we we had, yeah, we, we had that, uh, one Twitterer. Um, I think it's, uh, from Raquel's podcast. So Raquel was a guest on a previous episode, awesome episode, um, and she has her own podcast with some people in Germany, and I believe she uh, brought them some stickers. Oh, nice. So, oh, and the podcast is Reactive Podcast. I, I meant to get all the way to the plug, so uh, <laughs> check out. So if you haven't heard that episode, it's good, and then there's also, she has her own podcast as well with those people. I've been considering starting some kind of like... I to do the thing that Len does, where he has line in open. Why? This is freaking me out. Have you been doing it the whole time? I don't know. Everything's yeah. Everything sounds like an echo. Mm-hmm. But you do hear like things that you don't necessarily know that you're doing. So so uh, line in is a let you hear yourself when you're recording. Yeah, it's an app for a Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gotten it. Although yeah, the headphones I'm listening I'm using today like I can't hear myself. It's really weird weird experience I, I usually use less good headphones but they they died in argentina so now i'm borrowing nicer headphones so what are you all working on uh i've been working on implementing support for cores which has actually been really oh. interesting to learn about um so cores is cross-origin request something security um, but I've seen it from the JavaScript side when I, I, you know, I'm requesting and I need the resources I'm requesting. Now I'm actually doing it on the server side and seeing like what we need to do in order to respond correctly when the browser is trying to get these security checks. Um, so that's pretty neat. It's actually helped me really understand cores all the way through 
it's like I, we picked up like a five car like five point you know for estimation purposes like a five point card and we finished it in like a day <laughs> because i was just like oh yeah i know this from the javascript side cost origin resource sharing yes cost origin resource, resource sharing. sharing okay um that's cool it's been uh five days it's been in the office it felt really weird coming in this morning uh but what am i i'm working on so recently we had this bug where an underlying library got upgraded so someone wrapped another library. They upgraded the library that they wrapped. And it was causing problems. So we had to figure out how to diagnose it and what the, what the fix was. It's HTTP client for Java. And the problem was connection pools. They were not validating expiring connections or connections that were stale. So every so often there would be this weird error. Or a timeout. Spent days on that thing. I think it works now. How about you, Justin? Uh, same as always. Other than what I mentioned. Atlas? Yes. But there's should be like a feature or refactoring that you're doing that you're excited about. <laughs> well, it's a, everything that came out so far is public. Uh, like console enterprise we just announced. We're kind of changing Atlas to be more like uh, different products. Put enterprise in the end of it. And that's like kind of like what you're purchasing instead of uh, getting all of Atlas at once. But most, most of our customers use one or two tools primarily instead of all of them. Um, and anything in the future I can't talk about, obviously. Uh, but yeah, working on Rails, code reviews and refactoring and fixing stuff and every day. <laughs> I've been doing really good with uh, Pomodoros. Oh, yeah? You're still doing that thing where you give yourself, like, what was it, 40 Pomodoros a week? Or? Yeah, I, tr I try to do eight a day, which... It takes me all day usually. Um, sometimes I like only get seven done. Sometimes I get like ten done. Um, but yeah, it's eight. Pomodoro's twenty-five minutes of work, five-minute break, and then uh, every four Pomodoro's you take a longer break, fifteen minutes. But that's usually just lunch, and then I take like a. I usually have like a meeting in the afternoon around that time that I that I kind of just talk to people. We we have a we have a daily like non-work-related hangout every day at two thirty Eastern. Oh, is that just like a moment? Or... Yeah, because, uh, yeah, just to kind of talk to people face-to-face -face and chat about stuff, get a little human face-to-face -face contact. Um, not face-to-face, -face, but, like, video face-to-face. -face. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do eight Pomodoros a day, and I find it works really well because if I try to, like, measure how much work I got done in a day by work completed, like, that's impossible to measure because you can't really compare one unit of work to another in any kind of way. If I measure by time, I could, like, spend, you know, 10, 11 hours working and, like, get stuck on a bug and feel like I got nothing done. So that doesn't really help. But I find that, like, if I track just Pomodoros, I feel, if I if I do my Pomodoro goal, I feel like I put, like, a significant amount of effort into into the, into the whatever problem I'm working on that day. And, and I don't feel, like, uh, guilty or weird about, like, uh, like, I didn't get anything done today, you know? It kind of just removes that for me. And then also, I've, I don't know why, uh, maybe maybe the five-minute breaks have been helping, but at the end of the day, <clears throat> working remotely, sometimes I just kind of like close my laptop at 5, 5.30, and I go to see my family, and I'm still like really thinking about work really hard, and uh, I have problems like communicating with people. Uh, it takes me like a good 15 minutes, half hour to kind of wind down from work, and you know I need like a little rest. Uh, but I find it with Pomodoro's, maybe it's 
training me with that with the breaks, but uh, I find that I can just kind of like finish my last Pomodoro for the day and walk out the door and I feel feel pretty good. I don't feel like I'm still like thinking about the problem. I was thinking that if you still had that problem or if we weren't doing Pomodoros, if you close your laptop and took a walk around the block. That's cool, but usually I'm... Uh, that, that's nice if I can finish, if I can schedule my, my completion for a, at the right time, but usually I have to go like do something right away, like make dinner, pick up from daycare, etc. It's a crazy story, not programming related. Mm-hmm. Uh, this morning I walked out of my building and I heard hearing this, this loud honking and then this engine engine like revving up. Mm-hmm. And then this biker is passing by and he sees me with my helmet and then he's like pointing back at the car behind him. And this person is just honking at him and basically like chasing him. It almost wants to run him over, but is stopping like right before the car gets to his back tire. It was really crazy. The person wanted to run him over basically. That sounds really scary. It was. And he was like giggling. Wait, the, the had... biker in front of him? In front of the yeah, the car. Because the... I, right in front of my house, there's a please share the road with the uh, with cyclists. Mm-hmm. And he's pointing at it. <laughs> he's riding by. And the person is just laying on the horn and just like chasing the guy all the way down the hill. So it was pretty scary. And then I was like, man, why do I ride my bike tour? I hate those feelings. That was... Wasn't a good story. I was hoping it was squirrel related. Oh no! I don't like your story, Jerron. <laughs> I think it's because it's it's actually like really because it's hard for me to like get on a bike for commuting purposes a lot of times because I'll I have the dissociation because like un, you know you ride enough and these things have happened to you like you just get mm-hmm. like yelled at or someone like you know almost like sideswipes you. I luckily haven't been actually sideswiped, but I know people who have. Um, but like. You know, in the grand scheme of things, these don't happen like that often compared to like just a normal bike ride. Yeah. And it's like you're in a car. You could just take the the road. If this person's really buggy, just take the road next one over. Right. Right. Turn. Like <laughs> it's not. A, I Yeah. That's also the thing is like I feel like like people are putting so much energy to being upset when they could just fix it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. also frustrating. I just ignore it. You do? No, I, I, I just. Oh, or just ignore it. I mean, also uh, like, just like, it's not that big a deal. Like, I don't know, you're going somewhere, you're driving in the city, it's gonna take a while. Like, mellow out. Yeah. Really, that's the solution. Everyone just needs to mellow out. Anyway, do we have picks? <laughs> now that everyone's all mellowed out, let's like, what things have you like? liked on the internet lately on the internet uh or you know whatevs hmm. um i've got a pick because i just heard about it this morning so uh it's a a thing to check out uh for myself but it's called open mastery uh which is a an industry collaborative learning network focused on data-driven software mastery hmm uh, but so that's a lot of like enterprisey words. Um, but, uh, it's, it's kind of, it sounds like it's a pitch for, uh, you know, for a process for software development. So it's not, not called agile. I don't think the word agile is used anywhere. Um, but creating feedback loops and, uh, cool things like that, uh, without falling into like 
the agile whole, hopefully, to be determined. But sounds interesting. Thought it was worth mentioning as a pick and checking it out. What you got, Justin? Uh, I was looking at uh, using AWS Lambda last week, and I talked to some people about the pains I've been having with it. I was talking to uh, Joe Winter from Philadelphia, and he mentioned uh, using Swagger, uh, which is a RESTful API uh, representation syntax, I guess. It's like it's like JSON or YAML, and you essentially describe your entire API in this yeah, YAML I've, format. Yeah, I've seen some Swagger stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you, you describe it in YAML. It generates but it's not a standard. Full. It's, it's not. weird. Well, continue your spiel. Well, it seems like it has like proper valid. Like it seems like if you created it incorrectly, it, something would fail somewhere. So it seems like it's standardized in its own way. But it's not like a, in its own way. It's not, but like, it's not a, like a standard, you know, W three standard or anything. No, it's there's not. no there's uh, no RFC for it. No, but it's, getting, it's getting a lot of traction. Yeah, it's not like I triple E. Yeah, like I think it is definitely really interesting and it has a lot of adoption. And Jervon, I think you were going to say something because I know you've used Swagger, right? Yeah, my team uses Swagger. Yeah. Uh, no, what you said was, was right. Uh, but no, you, you generate this. There's, uh, no there's, there's an editor on uh, editor.swagger.io. You can write YAML. They give you like a sample thing, and then you can edit it to make your own. Uh, it generates docs for your API. And then there are uh, things in a bunch of different languages uh, for either generating... Uh, a client for that API. Uh, you can also generate a server for that API. I'm not sure how that stuff works too much. And then also with AWS Lambda, you can upload a Swagger definition. This is just new in the past two or three weeks, but you can upload a Swagger definition to AWS Lambda and it will create all the AWS Lambda endpoints to match your Swagger definition. Uh, and I think in some languages, you can also use a Swagger definition to use it as like your test suite, but I'm not completely sure on that. Uh, but it seems like it seems a really cool way of saying like uh, being able to describe an API and uh, do all those things that you want to do with an API. Uh, I'm not sure if it how much it overlaps with like JSON schema, that sort of thing. Uh, kind kind of similar, kind of not. Um, but yeah, it's just cool to see one of these projects getting traction because I know there's been a couple different things like this over the years. Um, so yeah, Swagger, check out Swagger if you work with or write APIs. Yeah, Swagger's pretty cool. Um, my pick. So earlier this week, I mean, early in the episode, I mentioned sort of trying to reproduce uh, those connection errors uh, and to simulate sort of the load of the application. We use this tool called Gatling, uh, which is a Java tool, um, but it's pretty cool. You write your test in SCA, but there's a closure wrapper called CLJ Gatling. Um, so I'll pick those two things. Um, and if you want to get more curious, there's a tool called Collided, uh, I, I, something like that with, uh, use Lambda with CLJ Catling to sort of scale up your, your tests. Um, and then my music pick is a song called So High, uh, by Ghost Loft. It's chill. Those are my picks. Cool. Check us out in Turing.cool slash something. I have no idea what episode we're on. Uh, and at TuringCool on Twitter. And yeah. If anyone plays The Division, you should say hi on Twitter. And maybe we'll play online. And if you have a topic, go to our GitHub and suggest a topic. Yes. 
We have lots of announcements. <laughs> all right. Talk to you all later. Have your dog spayed. Bye. See ya.